Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Hey! Good morning and <laughs> welcome, up? everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are, positively different radio in the morning. You're with the, the double L team, Lawson. Lawson. I got to say it again. Yeah. Don't know where the intro jingle went. It was all there a second ago, and it vanished off our screen. I deleted just, it. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't actually. I didn't actually. But I just want to claim it. Still. I just, I just like when it's just fresh. It's just something new. Yeah, why not? Absolutely. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh, I am thankful that God is good and he always provides uh, for our needs. And I just had that experience, especially yesterday, seeing God provide for other people's needs too um, through our club at university. It's called ASOC and we're giving meals to people who are currently doing their exams as it's exam season. And a lot of those people were like, oh, you're giving us food. That's really nice. We want to come to church. That's and it was like awesome. awesome. Yeah, so so exciting. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we are about to get into our quiz. That's right. Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 9 states that there is nothing new under what? Uh, this is an easy one. Yeah, that's the first question, Law. Come on. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. If you answer the question correctly, if you know what the answer is, you will go into the draw to win the Andrew Study Bible, this awesome, amazing, huge, expensive Bible that has notes in it and is a really good addition to the New King James is my favorite edition of the Bible. It's the one that I read regularly and that I preach from. And so, yeah, this is a fantastic Bible that we will give to you absolutely for free if you win the draw, but to enter into the draw, 0491-064-669. The more questions that you answer correctly, the more entries you get into the draw. But again, that first question was, Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9 9 states that there is nothing new under what? What what is there nothing new under? You know, 0491-064-669. Okay. Let's uh, talk about some positively different news. All right, Lyle, positively different news. Imagine, Lyle, yes. you're a tradie. A tradie, yes. And you used to be a tradie. I used to be a tradie. And you were younger. Yeah. Um, well, you're a cabinet maker, right? That's right. Maybe, I don't know if that would apply in this situation. Let's say you're a concreter, okay? Yeah, And okay. you rock up to a work site. You're there to build a new industrial estate. Yep. With your other tradies, you know, you probably have... A bunch of other dudes there laying, laying tarmac, laying concrete, you know, all kinds of people. Okay. And you're, you know, rummaging around in the area saying, okay, you know, where are we putting these foundations? Where are we setting all this stuff up? And then all of a sudden, you stumble across a 51-acre, 1,400-year-old Mayan settlement. No way! Yeah. What? So that's huge. That's massive. So in an area, it's that's uh, going to mess with the developers' plans, <laughs> that's, big time. That's right. It, this is insane. So basically, in in Yucatan, uh, which is in Mexico, Mexico, a group of tradies out yes. building an industrial park stumbled across this big settlement, and they found like over fifty buildings in this city where. They estimate roughly 4,000 people would have lived 1,400 years ago. 
So this city's now been... How much of this has been excavated? Have so been now they've it? started... They've been excavating over the last couple of years. And I, then, wonder, I wonder how they... You know, I mean, you sort of... You start digging around in the dirt and you come across some random rocks and stuff like that. How do you actually identify that, if you're a, if the average tradie, as actually being the foundations of an ancient city? Well, I guess if anyone was going to identify it, it prob- probably could be then as people who work in con- construction. True, true. They're probably better qualified than anybody else. Yeah, they're, they're better like, qualified than this- an archaeologist. That just came to my mind because these are the guys who actually do that kind <laughs> of thing. Who actually build foundations. And they, they're like, these are our homies. These are our guys. They're, they've been building here before us. We, <laughs> we get this. We can, we can understand what's going on here. That's right. So in this Mayan site, they've found all kinds of foundations to buildings. They've found stairwells and wells themselves um they found this big natural sink sinkhole which a lot of mine settlements built themselves around they would yes. find a sinkhole where they could get water from and whatnot and they'd build themselves around these these sinkholes and so basically they have this massive big settlement they're just found out of nowhere they've been excavating it they've kind of ditched their plans to build an industrial estate and actually turn it into a Archaeological site. Archaeological site and national treasure that you can come and see and spend time in. Now, the big perplexing mystery is why did everyone leave? Because they caught smallpox. They they found a, a number of you know human remains and whatnot, a uh, few different dead bodies. But like um, we're talking at this point, we're talking about bones. Okay, so but is this? Did they find these bodies in a cemetery or did they find them randomly scattered through the streets? No, in a burial site. Okay. So they found 15 bodies in a burial site, like 15 not, not, bones. Not many. Not many. But where's everyone else? What happened? Yeah, that's place? right. That's a really small cemetery. It's the great perplexing mystery. Again, this is a complex that spans around 51 acres. It's, and they, they're like, yeah, it could probably fit, you know, 4,000 people. That's probably how many people lived here or even more. I mean, I, I don't know, but when Europeans arrived in Mexico, 95% of the population was wiped out by smallpox. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about a settlement that was established. They believe in 600 CE. Now, you could say, like, people build CE. All- What's CE? AD. Yes. Common Era. Did you go, don't give me this CE stuff. Why? AD. Anno Domino, but, the year of our Lord. But that's wrong. It's not wrong. It is, is it's the off. same date. It's incorrect, though. It's the wrong date, but it's the same date. <laughs> okay. The CE is just a woke way of trying to get rid of God, kind of trying to get rid of Jesus out of history. Ah, whatever. CE. Whatever. No, it's Heresy. because, it's, Heresy, because it's the Heresy wrong day. It's because zero is the wrong day. There is no year zero. <laughs> oh, well, one. one. One is the wrong yeah, day. Yeah, okay, it's only out by four years, not much. That's Lyle, you're being lame right now. No, you're Lyle, lame. you're betraying history. I <laughs> thought you were some kind of historian study guy, but it sounds like you're not. But hey, I, I want to go to have me use CE. I want to go hang out in the Mayan bur- <laughs> burial site in Yucatan one day. I'd love to yes. go and see it. So, but this is this is an amazing discovery just made by your local tradies. So how far is it from uh, how far is it from the border with the US? I wonder. I mean, how long is it going to take me get it, to get down there if I oh, am I'm not sure? Well, I've got. I'd, I'd like Mexico is next on my list of places I want to go. Really? Yes. But Yucatan is kind of the opposite side of the country of where I want to go. Yeah, it's like because all of the other big stuff is over the other side. It's on the peninsula, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the Gulf of Mexico. So it's right on the tip there. But mm. okay. well, it's there nonetheless. You can yep. maybe you can hang out in Cuba and then go over. Whatever it may be. Hey, I want to talk about another story, uh, another story about a dog. 
Okay, I want to talk about this dog. This dog is a Belgian Malinois, which is essentially like a famous kind of fancy version of a German Shepherd. Mm -hmm. And, okay, I want to ask you a question, Lyle. You have a dog. That dog is named Rommel. Do you think Rommel would save you in an attack? No. No, no. My, My dog, Rommel, he would absolutely love on the attacker. He'd be like, oh, this is so much fun. We're playing. Play with me. I'd be getting, you know, beat up and smashed around. And, and, and he'd be just like, this is all about me. This is, this is my favourite thing because everything is my dog's favourite thing. <laughs> but what if that attacker was a mountain lion? Then my dog would run very fast away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, a girl from the United- In fact, my dog would probably save my life because my dog would run away so fast that it would trigger the uh, predator drive in the mountain lion and the mountain lion would stop attacking me and go and chase the dog. <laughs> and the dog, That's would, awesome. the dog would give its life for me. That's amazing. Yes, well, without planning to. Yeah, that's right. In, in the most inefficient way. Yes. Well, Erin Wilson, who is a woman from the United States, uh, was out on a walk with her dog when she was attacked by a mountain lion. So Madeline comes out of nowhere and swipes her and, like, starts scratching her up. And she's obviously freaking out. And the, her dog runs in and just starts attacking this mountain lion yeah, to protect wow. her. That's awesome. Now, the mountain lion gets the dog, you know, wraps yes. itself around the dog. Because a cat has, a cat has uh, claws as well as a mouth. Yeah, that's right. So it starts biting its head. It starts digging its claws in, kind of constricting it in a way because the dog's just going crazy trying to attack this thing. Yes. And so Aaron flags down someone who's driving past who gets out. They both get weapons out of their car. By weapons, I don't mean guns. Uh, okay, this is America. Is, I would expect Yeah, guns. very, very interesting story. They, you know, get some things to beat on this mountain lion with and they run back and as this mountain lion is constricting on this dog, uh, the dog begins to, you know, struggle for air and it's beginning to fade and they, they start beating this mountain lion up with like... Whatever they've got. Whatever they've got in their car. I, I, it doesn't necessarily name what they are, but I can imagine like, I don't know, what do you, what do you carry in your car? Maybe an umbrella or something? And they start beating on this dog, uh, sorry, on this mountain lion, which eventually lets it go and runs back into the bush. Now, the dog had fainted and gone into a coma as a result, uh, but then it was resuscitated um, and it was basically, it lived. It went on to live. It had a $36,000 vet bill. Because this is Ooh. firstly the United States, and it nearly died to an, a mountain lion attack. Um, luckily, they started a GoFundMe, and people just straight up paid for this dog because it saved this woman's life. Yes, and uh, the dog lives to this day. That's a big vet bill. So shout out Eva the dog. Eva the dog. Go for, Eva for the dog. Absolutely destroying a mountain lion in yes. combat. Well, <laughs> well, getting destroyed. But saving someone's Save life. For absolutely saving somebody's life it's in combat. Just an incredible story. I was like, good for good for dogs, dude. All right, now this dogs is are the best creatures. Athena. Ever. I love dogs. You, really? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. And this actually shows why cats are bad. <laughs> You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joe, here on Faith FM, we're about to get into some more serious news. A bunch of text messages coming through here, Lawson. You're in trouble. In trouble? Yes. For doing what? C-E. Oh, They're all on my lost. side. Get yes. lost. Yes. No, that's, that is, that <laughs> is like unscholarly. Okay. 
Okay. Absolutely agree with you, Lyle. The change from BC and AD is just another way to remove Christ from the picture, regardless no, of the it's fact not. that they got the date wrong. Sorry, Lawson. <laughs> no, you have not. been lied to. It's from Braden. Darren says, I'm with you, Lyle. Let's keep God in history. Yeah. So two. Maybe, yeah. maybe I exaggerated. You, you very maybe much I, over-exaggerated. It was just... And faithful yeah. Christians who also study history professionally say CE because AD is a silly concept that is butchered and wrong. Yeah. No. Like, I'll still use it, but like, we're referring to historical events. We use anyway, CE. anyway, anyway, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the quiz. Okay. <laughs> Lala, all right. What city is called the City of David? If you know, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. If you call or text that number with the correct answer, you will go into the draw to win the Andrew Study Bible, which is amazing, expensive, awesome. It's just an awesome Bible that we want to give to you absolutely free, provided you win the draw. But you need to enter the draw to win. So 0491-064-669, which city is called the City of David? Okay, so Braden is also texting. I don't know that I should read this one. I, I, no, I don't think I'll read this one. Why? It's just, nah. He's it's attacking my character? or says, I've seen videos of house cats attacking bears and making them run off. So they're not all bad. <laughs> you just have to be on the right side of their mood. <laughs> you just have to be, be hanging out with the right cats. I think that's the deal. Like, because the mountain lion is just a really, it's just a cat that's just too proud because it's, you know, specked into gigantism. Oh, uh, we just got another one come through. That's everybody's everybody's weighing in on this one, Lawson. You're just gonna get you're just gonna get dumped on all morning. <laughs> uh, well, this one said this was a nice one. Thanks, guys. Your banter makes my morning. And then Ruffy says, Lawson, I'm amazed you should say such silly things. <laughs> the problem is the problem with 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 it is, is, is the date is wrong. Like that's we're actually misrepresenting Christ by using that date. Yeah, okay. Because well. it's all right. We're we gonna talk about we're gonna talk about some serious news. <laughs> I'm just getting dis- distracted with all of these text messages here. It's just awesome when uh, when when Lawson gets dumped on in the morning. I'm just like <laughs> it's made me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's have all right so the Orthodox, Russian Orthodox Church has just sacked its, high, its second highest bishop. Mm. Uh, Patriarch Kirilli, of course, mm. is the Patriarch of the Orthodox Church, very strong ally of Vladimir Putin and a very strong ally of Putin's war in Ukraine because Ukraine just split off from the Orthodox Church and joined the Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church. So Hilarion, that's an interesting name, uh, rather humorous name if you're reading it in English, but he was the uh, chairman of the Moscow Patriarch Eight Department for External Church Relations. Mm. And so this is basically international relations. And he's just got sacked. Mm. So he would be in charge of relationships with things like Ukraine, mm. the Ukrainian government, the Ukrainian church. Just got sacked. Wow. Okay, and this happened only, uh, when you read the minutes, it was only 700 words into the synod, and he's done, he's out. There was agenda A1. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Relieved of his role as head of foreign relations, uh, permanent men- member of the Synod and rector of the Saints of Cyril and Methodosius Institute of Postgraduate Studies. Oh, wow. He has been sent overseas and now he's going to be the administer of the Budapest Hungarian Diocese, Metropolitan of Budapest and Hungary, mm. with no explanation given. So there's a mystery here. We don't know why. <laughs> They're like, but you're gone and we're not even going to tell when you. When somebody gets sacked like that, there's... 
There's big issues at stake. Yeah, it's usually a personal thing. Well, I don't think it is in this case because if this is a case of, you know, touching the Lord's money or touching the Lord's women, he'd be out of a job. Yeah. So he's still got a significant job, you know, he's in in charge of Budapest Hungarian diocese. Uh Uh-huh. No, but this is why I'm saying it's a it's a personal thing as in like Carilli's after him. Like, yeah. Like it's his specific political views. Yes. That's what's that's being attacked. What, that's what yeah. it smells of, doesn't it? Yeah. It smells a lot of that. Um, in the coming days, we will find out more about it. Mm. Anyway, we did talk about this this uh, film that has been pulled in the UK. Uh, this was called The Lady of Heaven. It's about the Lady of Fatima, uh-huh. uh, which, of course, tells the story of uh, the daughter of Muhammad. Uh-huh. So this is interesting. You know, hundreds of protesters uh, gathered outside venues calling the film blasphemous, and uh, as a result of that, the uh, film company that has been showing it has decided to pull it. Okay, okay, so because it's blasphemous because... Yeah, that's not what anybody's saying. Nobody's telling us where and how it is blasphemous. Because I know that there's the restriction on depicting Muhammad. Do they depict Muhammad in the film? Probably. Well, then... I don't know. I think that's that's pretty go-to case. Okay, so now here's the interesting thought. All right, what do we do when something is blasphemous? How should we respond when something is blasphemous? Mm. By responding by getting rid of the film, I think that's actually the wrong move. Mm. Because I'm sure that this is probably blasphemous for Islamic people. Mm. I don't know. I haven't seen any details on the film. And it would probably make them feel really, really awful and like this is a horrid thing and mm. why would anybody make a film like I'm just assuming that this is the case. However, do people have a, a right to say terrible things about Muhammad? Do they have the right to say terrible things about Jesus? Mm. Do they have the right to say terrible things about Yahweh? Do they have the right to say terrible things about uh, Buddha? Mm. And the answer to that is they absolutely do because God gives them that right. That is Mm. a God-given right. Mm. So people have the right to say these kinds of things. They have the right to communicate these kind of things. Our choice should be whether we go and watch the film or not. Yeah, that's right. I mean, think about within Christianity, you know, going back uh, to some well-known movies that, you know, like, Life of Brian, Da Vinci Code, The Exorcist, The Last Temptation of Christ, The First Temptation of Christ, Bruce Almighty, Lucifer, Black Jesus, Gay yeah. Jesus. Yeah, you know, gay these are all, Jesus. These are, all, yeah. these are all TV shows and movies that are very, very blasphemous mm-hmm. against Christianity. How did you and I respond to that? We responded by not watching it. Yeah, there were lots of Christians. There was the, the, one, the, the one where he was gay. Yes, that there was that de- debuted on Netflix. Yes, and there was a lot of Christians everybody, who like protested everybody, and everybody pulled their subscriptions to Netflix, and so Netflix got rid of it. <laughs> the money spoke. That's right, and I think that's an appropriate way to act. Mm. Uh, we don't want to crush free speech. We don't want to say you can't say terrible things about Jesus because everybody has religious liberty and freedom to express their religious views, mm. but by, in this case, not supporting it, then it died a natural death. Anyway, uh, that was interesting. So uh, Mm. China's just got off scot-free from a visit from the United Nations. Okay. How does China get off (laughs) scot-free with the United Nations? Well, they want to build a space space station, actually. There was uh, about 60 charities and organisations which wrote a letter to Michelle Bachelet, who uh, ahead of the visit, her visit. Uh, She is the UN Commissioner for Human Rights. Oh, wow. 
her visit to China to urge them to urge her to raise human rights violations, uh, in, particularly in the right to freedom of religion and belief. And she went to China and didn't say a thing. Uh, now we've got all these Christian charities, human rights defenders, uh, and various other organizations right across the world who are very upset and angry that we have such a thing as a United Nations Human Rights Commissioner mm. who can't even condemn human rights violations. Yeah, well. I mean, if this is not a toothless tiger, what is? I mean, Michelle Bachelet is, uh, you know, comes from a family and has a long history of being a Marxist socialist. Oh. So she's kind of hanging out with her people in China. Yeah. Uh, so, and it kind of makes you wonder, you know, where is our world heading to when we have a thing called the United Nations and it's become a toothless tiger? Uh, she didn't com- condemn the mass detention of over a million, up to three million Uyghurs and other ethnic minority groups. She failed to address... Uh, documents which reveal a shoot-to-kill policy in response to the escape attempts from those detention camps uh, and the widespread sexual violence, torture and forced labour in those camps. Mm. Didn't say a thing. In fact, uh, Tibetan human rights lawyer Yu Wensheng uh, stated this. He says, The UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Michelle Bachelet's uh, visit to China, makes me feel that she is not there to criticise China for its human rights issues, but rather to apologise for criticising China's human rights issues. Mm. You know, these are serious things that are taking place in our world. We have, you know, there is probably nothing more important to good society than the issue of religious liberty and freedom of speech. These two things go hand in hand, and people being persecuted around the world for speaking up about their faith is one of the most terrible and soul-destroying, soul-crushing things that can take place in a, in, a, uh, in, in a country, and it needs to be called out. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We are about to get into... Our interview of the day, Jeremy Dixon is about to join us and he and Lawson are about to talk about food, so that's going to be incredible. Uh, Before we do, we have another clue for our quiz. Okay, next clue for the quiz. To help King Saul relax, David plays what instrument for him? If you know, 0491-064-669, that is the number to call or text and you will go into the running to win the Andrews Study Bible, this amazing, awesome, free incredible bible that we will give to you provided you win the draw and if you you know want to get in that draw you need to answer the question correctly and give us a call or text 0491-064-669 we're joining us on the phone right now all the way from new zealand is jeremy dixon to talk about recipes and food lawson uh this is over to you because you're the foodie here not me well you're the cook you're the cook yeah, oh man, I tell you what, I'm, I, I just am. I had two minute noodles last night. It was, it was, <laughs> we're talking gourmet. Uh, now we've got, you know, someone who is close to my caliber. That's, uh, Jeremy Dixon <laughs> on the phone. He's actually well famous for his cooking. Yeah. All right, take it away, guys. <laughs> hey, Jeremy, how you going? Mighty fine. Oh, amazing. We, we are super grateful to have you on the show, joining us from all the way over in, in beautiful New Zealand. What's the weather like now, actually? No it's uh, it's incredibly cold here. Is it cold over there? Yeah, it's been cooling down a little bit, but nothing too severe yet. Uh huh. 
Ah, uh-huh. nice work. Well, thank you for coming on and thank you for joining us. Now, we are going to get into, as usual, uh, we are going to be talking about recipes. We're going to be talking about food. We're going to be talking about things that you have, yeah, done in your restaurant. And so give us some, give us some insight. Yeah, sure. So I suppose one thing as I tend to chat to that day is, um, and probably, probably the one, probably the one food that people miss when they go vegan or plant based. And the people go, oh no, I can't give this up. I mm. can't give this up. Is cheese? Totally. People love their cheese. Uh huh. So um, it's kind of an area that I've kind of in my last cookbook, I did a special section on vegan cheeses wow. and how you can make them at home. So uh, yeah, tend to chat a bit about those today. And you can go to your supermarket, and there's actually quite a good range of vegan cheeses in most mm. supermarkets these days. The kind of plant-based, um, you know, supermarket are recognising that people are into plant-based alternatives. Um, so there are some some good ones out there. There's also some really, really horrible tasting ones as well. So you've kind yes. of got to fish through and find them. Yes. Um, but before you kind of try to impress your friends who eat cheese, you kind of you probably want to try them first. Mm-hmm. In my experience, probably about a quarter of them actually taste taste um, half decent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so true. Of, exactly. So you can either buy them at your supermarket, or you can make them yourself. Some of the ones in the supermarket um, to kind of get that kind of that cheesy kind of texture, mm. um, when you're making them on a high commercial scale, you generally have to use quite a lot of some pretty severely modified starches mm. and things to glue them together. So often when you try them, you kind of feel quite heavy afterwards because some of them are quite processed. So I kind of, when you do buy them from the supermarket, just check out that they're kind of not full of, you know, all these ingredients you can't pronounce and things. Um, and when, when things say, for example, modified starch, um, and maybe you like a modified potato starch and you may think potatoes, that's healthy, but by the time they've put it through a huge amount of processes, when it's modified, it actually is, um, can be quite a processed product. Mm. So just uh, one to look out for. Um, but if you want to make yourself, I've got some recipes in my, in my latest cookbook, but I was probably want to share with you kind of the, I suppose the, the, the starting point to make your own vegan cheese. Mm. Um, and so one, one of my favorite bases for cheeses is cashew nuts. Oh, that's amazing. It's quite a nice. Quite a nice, very sweet, very kind of rounded, very kind of creamy kind of texture. So, well, you can make them out of any kind of nuts you want or other things. Mm. I find a good starting point is some, some cashew nuts. Definitely. I've uh, I've been vegan since 2019, and previous to that, I was kind of yes. feigning vegetarian. And so, I was, I was probably since around 2016, I've been dabbling in vegan cheeses. And as you said, yes. it is like, particularly back in 2016, it was very, very limited. Like, trying to find a good vegan vegan cheese was almost impossible. Like, just most of the time tastes like you're eating some kind of you sawdust. Have, you should have tried or... it back in 1992 when I went vegan. <laughs> Try and find okay, vegan okay. cheese back then. <laughs> it was pretty wild. But it has definitely gotten better, as you said. But we make, you know, at for church, we make uh, a bunch of different types of vegan cheese. But our usual go-to is that cashew-based cheese because oh, it just works so yep. well. Yeah, you want to start off with some really good ingredients that have got really good and built kind of flavour and texture and things really help. Mm. Um, so basically, my most recipes kind of involve basically throwing a whole lot of ingredients in a blender, which normally involves, for example, um, cashew um, cashew nuts, water. Um, you might add some flavourings like lemon juice or you can put a bit of grated carrot in for a bit of um, colour. Um, mustard powder always works really well. Um, a bit of coconut oil. And a bit of water. So you typically make this kind of like this milky kind of mixture. Mm. And the, the key setting ingredient that works really, really well to make cheeses is a product called agar agar. Not sure if you've heard of that. Agar agar. 
So it's, it's an Asian seaweed. I, I, um, I know what this is. Really? How do I know what this is and you don't? Well, maybe, maybe I know. Agar, <laughs> agar. Okay. It's kind of like it's kind of like a vegan gelatine. So gelatine, which you make jellies, yeah, is pretty much made of you know pig's hooves, which is not probably the most yummiest thing in the world. Yeah. So agar agar is kind of the uh, the plant based version of gelatine, which kind of sticks together and kind of like a kind of a jelly is probably the wrong word, but you know that kind of that kind of stickiness. Mm-hmm. Um, gelling together as well is what you need. So agar agar is a thing to get, and you can um, most um, Asian shops and health shops will have agar agar, oh, and awesome. you don't need very much. Uh-huh. So what you do it's just like pretty much the same as like the gelatine. To make it to activate it, you just have to put it in a pot with some cold water, and you heat it up, and then it will kind of gelatinize as it kind of heats up with the water. Uh-huh. Um, and then you mix mix that through with your kind of your milky. Um, you know, your milky mix with your cashews and your coconut oil or whatever else, and you know, the flavorings and things. Uh-huh. And you stir that up, and it, it kind of becomes like a really thick, cheesy sauce. And then you plonk it in a little mold or something or a tray, and then uh, put it in the freezer for half an hour, and you get yourself some cheese. That's pretty much the top-line bird's-eye view of how to make uh, vegan cheese. My, my uh, jaw is touching the floor right now. Like, I am just... So, we make cashew cheese, but, like, Going that extra step, usually the cashew cheese is kind of runny and just kind of like <laughs> cashewy, you know. You just put like a lot of yeast flakes in it and lots of salt and a bit of like lemon yeah. and garlic and stuff. But, ah, oh, you're talking about making actual cheese? Like, that is incredible. Yeah, so it kind of slices. And if you get the texture right, and it's quite hard, um, you can grate it as well. So um, you can grate it. Um, you can even put it in toasted sandwiches. It, it doesn't, it'll never, you'll never melt 100% like cheese, but it yeah, kind of sure. melts okay. Um, so if you mix it with you know, some onion or something, or then you melt a cheese sandwich, you can kind of um, kind of taste quite nice. Mm. Um, yeah, that's kind of the stock So I recommend you do start with a recipe, either pick one from my books or offline, mm-hmm. uh, online, um, because the quantities are very, very critical. Um, agar, agar, you overshoot it by 20% and it will come rock hard. Undershoot it by 20% and it just won't set properly. So it's kind mm. of, it's, you know, most of my recipes through my books are just, all, you know, just throw stuff in and who cares about the, the measurements, but they normally turn out fine. But when you work with agar agar, it's a very very fussy little product. You need mm. to kind of experiment and be really really critical with your um, with your measurements to get it right, so you wow. don't kind of make it the wrong texture. And also, when you are cooking, it's really important is that when you activate, these are good two minutes in the pot stirring it round uh-huh. to activate it. If you kind of shortcut that, it won't activate and set. So there's a few little tricks oh. um, when you're using that product to make your cheeses. That is incredible. This is this is a revolution. I'm like, I'm looking up agar agar right now, and I'm like, okay, which which one of my local Asian grocers is going to sell it? <laughs> that that is awesome. Oh, is there is there any other cheese revolutions going on right now? Because this is this blowing my mind. Exactly, and also you know the flavors you put into are critical as well. Mm. You know things like you mentioned nutritional yeast, which is quite nice. Um, your lemon juice, salt, um, mustard, carrots. You know, there's all these pumpkin. There's all these different things you can add into it. To mm. To give it different, um, you know, flavors and textures and kind of colors are very important as well. Even stir through some herb fresh herbs. Mm. Um, so there's lots of different kind of variants you can do as well. And it's also when you when you do this recipe, some of them online, they like some some recipes are like three day recipes. It's like put the cashews in the water and soak them overnight. Mm. Then next day make the cheese and then put it in the fridge and the next day it'll be ready. So um, and then who wants a three day recipe? So no I'm one. Kind of short in mind. So it's like a twenty-minute recipe. You know, if you're going to if you're going to look at, if you're going to soak cashew nuts, soak them in boiling water so they kind of soften in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And number one, that saves a day. And instead of putting it in the fridge to set for like three or four hours, put it in the freezer 
and it will set in like 20 minutes or half an hour. So <laughs> just amazing. a few little tips you can just to speed up the process so you're not faffing around for three days, which some recipes uh, casually make make them longer. Ah, oh, I love the fact that you're sharing this with us because it's like, uh, definitely I can, I can tell that these are probably methods that you picked up in your restaurant, you know, as you've said, having to get meals out fast and quick, not overly complicated. But yeah, that is so annoying when it's like, <laughs> when you read a recipe and they're like, how to make the perfect spaghetti. Firstly, yeah, simmer yeah. the sauce for seven days. Like, it's like, shut up. Yeah, yeah, dude. exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, one's awesome. gonna, no one's going to make that. And if they do, they're only going to make it once. So, yeah. yeah it's really right. a little shortcut to make it, yeah. But, yeah, temperature is the main thing. Like, when you're soaking something, use boiling water. It'll soak so much faster. Wow. And if you're having to um, to chill something down, put it in the freezer, and it'll accelerate that uh, significantly. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Do, okay, is there anything else crazy happening in the area of cheese? Because this is like, this is this is landmark <laughs> material right here. Yeah, so you've got your stock salmon cheese. Like you can, you know, for example, you make your, your basic your, your cheddars or your grazed cheeses or whatever like that. Um, you can make quite a nice crumbly tofu feta cheese. Mm. So again, with tofu, you need to disguise it, not healthy, but see it. Just basically in a blender, throw some uh, firm tofu, some coconut oil, um, some lemon juice and some salt, blend it up, and you kind of get this thick mass, and then kind of put it in the fridge, and that coconut oil will reset, and you kind of get a really nice kind of feta. And if you're using a, a good bit of salt and lemon juice to kind of mask that tofu taste, you can actually get a reasonably good uh, hint of a bit of some crumbly feta, which if you know you crumble over some nachos or something, mm. it um, blends in the other flavors, and it's quite a nice alternative as well. This is incredible. Because that's the other thing I'm thinking. Like the 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 ingredients that you're mentioning aren't anything special, and vegan cheese is incredibly expensive. Like compared to every other type of cheese. And it's one of my one of my things. I've got all these food products I want to launch at some stage, and vegan cheese is one of them. Why should you be paying twelve dollars for a small block of cheese when it's just a bit of some modified starches and a little bit of cashew nuts? The ingredients to make it should not be a $12 block. It just does not make sense to me. While there's obviously a bit of packaging and a bit of labour involved as well, I do think they are well overpriced compared to the, the cost of the actual ingredient. Keep ranting. Keep ranting, Jeremy. We agree. <laughs> yes, I'd love, we I'd love totally to agree. Cheese, yeah. uh, that's, and, and, that's and, and awesome. You're not going to be able to try them if they're expensive as well. So I think if you want to get people onto these healthy products, we need to find a way to... Yeah, to make them make them yeah. more um, you know cost effective. I might think a little bit more for something, but not huge amounts more. That's such a good point. Like if we're trying to encourage healthy diets, it's like where where do these companies like what, what runs through their mind when they're like, okay, we want to encourage healthy diets. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to put it out of the price range of everyone. Now you could say that they're just they're just trying to make money and you know trying to piggyback off people who are lactose intolerant, uh, which is a very unfortunate sentiment. But yeah, no, we can do this at yeah. home and you can make epic cheese. Just get your agar agar, and then all of a sudden you are just master chef. That's incredible. Exactly. Um, also, in my book, I use, I've got a couple of variations of that cheese recipe. One is a grilled halloumi. Mm. So then you make the cheese slightly softer, so you put less agar agar in, mm-hmm. and um, and then you slice it up, and then you kind of fry it on a like a skillet with those kind of barbecue marks on it. So you mm. can make a really nice grilled halloumi, um, which is a really nice cheese as well. Mm-hmm. And also um, mozzarella balls. So you kind of when they come out of the um, of the pot, you kind of scoop them out in little wee round kind of balls and you kind of drop them into chilled water straight away and they freeze and you get that kind of soft mozzarella stuff and then soak them in a little bit of olive oil and um, lemon zest 
and you've got some really nice kind of mozzarella version as well. You can kind of slice over pizza or have with a salad with tomatoes or something like that. That's incredible. Guys, guys, by the way, this is being recorded. You can look at, listen to it in the podcast if you, if you want. I, I'm going to be listening back to this to be able to make some of these recipes. But also, um, we actually gave away two of your books last week. Obviously, we paid for them and then we gave them to people. Uh, we gave away two of your, your books last week. And so, yeah, we are huge proponents of these recipes here at, here at Faith FM. And guys, if you are wanting to get into, you know, these kinds of, like, we're just talking about cheese this morning, but all of these recipes that are amazing, healthy recipes that are incredible replacements of, of foods that you know you might be familiar with. Dude, Jeremy Dixon, the, the, these cookbooks are incredible. Thank you very much. But yeah, um, I'd like to ask you as well, you know, what, what are we going to talk about when we come back together next week? What do you reckon? Well, one thing that's quite fun is that the whole, this, whole, um, this whole business of these meat replacements Mm. Um, you've got all these meat burgers, meat sausages, meat everything, bacon everything. And when I first started, I kind of wasn't that keen on it, but I've kind of been intrigued and having a little bit of fun with it. So um, it's got a few recipes and a few opinions on that kind of area as well. So, um, um, yeah, that's kind of an interesting area to talk about. That is incredible. Those, those alternative products, get those meat eaters over. Um, and what people say they don't want meat, you still need to have some practical things that people are used to, like, you know, sausages and burgers and and things like that. I've got a few little easy, quick recipes that I can share with you that are kind of, uh, you could, I quite like fooling a meat eater. It's quite fun to give someone and say, oh, here's a a chicken such and such. And they give you to cheer me. Oh, that was the best chicken I ever ate. (laughs) Gotcha. So I've got a few of those gotcha recipes I can share with you next week. That is exciting, guys. Uh, give us a call, 0491-064-669 for any more information about Jeremy's recipes or his books. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.